This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. All right, Matt, we are back at it. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm good. Good deal. You know, the problem is, it's summer. (laughs) Here we go. And it is hotter than (laughs) crap in the graveyard tonight. Man, it is. It's hot, and every time you turn around, it's storming. Yep. I mean, it's humid. You can't... I love it. We we gripe about the weather here all the time. Yeah, I'm well. This is this is the graveyard weather post. Yep. <laughs> you get we're we're both uh, aspiring meteorologist. Um, yeah. Basically, that's just we're just griping about the weather. That's it's, all it is. It's not the heat; it's the humidity. Yeah, I just can't do anything <laughs> with my hair. Yeah, but I know. mean, you know, yeah. You know, for all of our listeners that live out in like New Mexico and Arizona. Look, I don't want to hear nothing about a dry heat because 110 is 110. I don't care how dry it is. That's hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with or without humidity, that that's is right. hot. Uh, but yeah, if you hear some weird rustling, that's just Matt and I taking an article of clothing off <laughs> randomly because we can't have the fan going. It's not so. going to be a rustle. It's going to be like a... Yeah, right. Because it's covered in sweat. Sound like peeling off a leather sofa or something. <laughs> And that's the problem. I got a leather chair I'm sitting in. I'm going to be stuck. <laughs> I just thought about that. Yeah, it'll be Adam, beside of Adam peeling away from the yeah. chair. <laughs> this is such a sexy sound. <laughs> Sounds like a boot stuck in mud on the yeah, water. Right. <laughs> so we wanted to uh, remind you guys about our live event. We've got a live event coming up October 20th. With Hillbilly Horror Stories, EVP Mediums, and Macabre Melts, and it's going to be at Hale, Nashville. So we wanted to remind you guys, go onto our website, click on the link that's at the top. It'll be at the top of every page, because we've got it uh, actually set it up to where no matter what page you click on, it's staring you in the face. Yeah. So go click on that and get you some tickets. I think they're only 10 bucks a piece to get in. 10 bucks, yeah. And, and you've got time now, but... If as many people that have been telling me we're planning on coming, we just haven't bought our tickets yet, it's it's going to sell out. So if, if you want to come, if you want to hang out with all of us, if you want to, you know, see a really cool place like Hale, Nashville, then uh, go ahead and get your tickets and plan your trip because I, I, I don't want any uh, any listeners out there to miss their chance. Right. Yeah, don't procrastinate on it. Go ahead and get it. Yeah, it's a few months out, but like Matt said, we've had several people tell us that they're they're going to show up, they want to go, and we don't want somebody to be planning on going and then not be able to make the trip. Um, but while you're on there buying those tickets, go ahead and click over to Hale Nashville's website. Check out what they got. You might grab you something from there. 
like I said last time, I always do. I always find something I want, um, something to add to my collection. They just um, recently bought, they bought out an entire funeral home. So they've got, you know, embalming equipment. They've got caskets. They've got a whole bunch of new stuff in there. Um, and I, I can't wait to show up and be like, look at my new couch. And it's oh, yeah. A no, casket. it's going to be the new recording desk. Uh, <laughs> we're going to put it here and we're going to record on Even a casket. better. Yeah. So that way you can get the live uh, casket creak <laughs> as it opens up. <laughs> Do we get a deal on a used one? Yeah, but then we can't open it up. <laughs> I'm not willing to open up a used casket. And Febreze can knock out anything. <laughs> well, it's going to sit out in the backyard for a while, man. <laughs> Before we bring it in, I'm not doing that. Um, another thing we wanted to tell you guys is we're going to start adding uh, more stuff to Patreon with a little more frequency. Um, we're going to start doing little short episodes, you know, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. It may just be me on one. It may just be Matt on another one telling some quick stories. Um, we're still going to do our longer, you know, long episodes. Yeah, this is uh, just extra. Right. You're just getting extra bonuses and we're going to start doing that. Um, I've got, I know I have collected a really cool story to tell on there that I think you guys are going to want to hear about. I haven't even told Matt about it yet, um, but it ties into one of our older episodes and I think you guys are going to want to hear it. So if you have not become a patron you can also go to our website and find the Become a Patron button. Click on that and go on over and sign up, become a patron, get all the bonuses and stuff like that, and we'll send you some stuff as well, some swag. Yeah. Um, But we wanted to also, we had talked, I'm sure all of you guys had listened to our Missing 411 episode, and, you know, all the weirdness that revolves around the missing 411 episode one of our listeners brought this to our attention just recently Casey Zipro went missing in the North Cascades National Park on June 16th 2018 at 2 p.m. and his case seems to fit the same profile points that these missing 411s do dogs can't find a scent and he's just gone Right. Um, so we wanted, he's age 31, 190 pounds. He's five foot nine, brown hair and brown eyes. And if you know of any information, it was the Colonial Creek Campground, site number three in the North Cascades National Park Service on June 16th, 2018. If you know anything, if you have any information, call or text the ISB tip line at 888 653 zero 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 nine and normally we wouldn't do this but it's so fresh off the missing 411 episode and it seems to fit right in that we wanted to throw this out there and you know we may have another missing 411 case on our hands we hope not we hope he's found right hope he comes back safely but yeah we're not we're not making light of this and you know hopefully um this gentleman's found safe and everything, you know, everything's okay. Um, but because this, you know, happened in a national park, you know, we, we really thought, well, we're, we're going to mention this um, because it, it really, 
really puts some reality into those stories that we covered, that these these are not just tall tales. They are not just really cool stories. These are real people, you know, that have that have gone missing. Right. And, you know, this is. And recently, like I said, we're not making light of this. You know, this is this is a serious thing. It it just makes it even more strange that it's another case of a missing person in a national park. Right. So with that, Matt, why don't we get into tonight's episode? What are we talking about tonight? Matt? Okay. Tonight marks the beginning of Lake Monster Month here, here in the graveyard. So all of this month, we are going to be discussing different lake monsters. Now, these things are... Amazing stories um, with sometimes minimal evidence, but they're fun. And and Adam and I really wanted to have a good time with this, uh, with it being summertime and people going out to the lake. We thought talking about lake monsters and what could be lurking under the surface of the water when you're out there, um, you know, water skiing and tubing and all that fun stuff and make you think, oh, what? Well, what's down here yep. below me? <laughs> when that when that little perch or something touches your leg, you know, That's a right. brim comes up and bumps your leg, you're gonna freak out. Look, anything touches my leg, anything touches my leg when I'm in a natural body of water, it's a lake monster. Oh yeah, sure. I don't care. But so tonight, uh we're we're gonna cover two. Um first off we're gonna talk about uh the the flathead lake monster in Montana and we're going to be covering Smetty who is the the monster that supposedly lives in Lake DeSmet in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be covering those two things. So we're going to lead off uh with the Flathead Lake monster. Uh as we said, uh Flathead Lake is in Montana. Um and you know, if you're familiar with that part of the United States, um Lots of lakes, you know, lots of uh, lots of open spaces, lots of uh, Native American reservations up there. Uh, so with all of that comes a lot of history and a lot of stories. And Flathead Lake is no exception. And the legend of the monster that supposedly lives in uh, in Flathead Lake uh, has a Native American background. So. Here is the legend of the monster of Flathead Lake. The story of a monster in Flathead Lake originates in the Kootenai traditional legend. According to the story, long ago, the first native tribe in the area lived on an island in the middle of the lake. One winter, while crossing the frozen lake to move camp, two girls saw antlers approximately two feet in length protruding through the frozen ice. Thinking the antlers belonged to some animal, the girls decided to chop them off and take them. They used sharp-edged rocks to cut through the ice when the antlers suddenly started shaking. The ice around them split open, and the head of a monster appeared through the ice, shaking its giant antlers. The girls used their special powers to transform into a ball and a buckskin target to escape the monster but half of the tribe drowned in the lake, which is said to be the reason why there are so few Kootenai people. 
The narrative holds that the Kootenai never strayed far from the lakeshore after that, and white settlers later reported occasionally seeing the monster. So that's the legend that uh, leads up to the story, the the modern-day story, of the creature that resides in the lake. Now, I thought it was kind of interesting. These girls all just out of the blue had special powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do people just normally just, oh, and by the way, well, these are, these are the Wonder Twins. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it had to be in there for them to get away. You know? Yeah, right. Form of a buckskin target. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see where what they turned into really helped them get away. But okay. So, um, Adam, tell us a little bit about Flathead Lake and, and where it's at and its size and everything. Give give the listeners some idea of, of where we're talking about and, and what it's like. All right. So, as Matt said, Flathead Lake is in Montana, and it's in the, the northwest of Montana. Big sky country. Yes, sir. And it's right on the southern tip of the Rocky Mountain Trench. Now, the water body is the largest natural freshwater lake in the western United States. And it's 28 miles long, 16 miles wide, and up to 370 feet deep. So think about that. That is a huge lake. Yeah. Huge freshwater lake. Now, there's two rivers that flow into the lake. It's the Flathead River and Swan River. And originally, it was carved out by a glacial dam, you know, years and years ago. Two years ago, three years ago. (laughs) Uh, last week. Yeah. Uh, so Flathead <laughs> Lake happens to be one of the cleanest and most well-known lakes in western Montana. And it's actually renowned for its crystal clear waters. And there are several reasons for this. One is the low human population that's around the area. So there's not many people that actually live near or on the lake. And most of its watershed lies within managed areas like national parks or wildlife areas. And also, it has a high flushing time. Now, a flushing time is how quick a lake can replace its water. So if you think about the water coming in and the water going out through the river, how long does it take for the water to get into that lake and then all of it to get back out? Now, Flathead Lake can replace all of its water in as little as three years. In contrast to that, Lake Tahoe, another large lake, has a flushing time of 650 years. I wonder how they calculate that. I'm not sure. They got a I, guy sitting out there. Yeah, there's All one. All right, I'm 20 years in. Yeah, there's one guy. There's, that there's still some water left. They put a little dye in it when it comes in. <laughs> and you think lakes are blue-green because of what grows? No, out. yeah, it's the coloring they put in there. To- That's Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Tom dyes all the water when it comes in and he waits to see when it, you know, if you notice, yeah. you know, every 650 years, Lake Tahoe changes color. Well, that's Tom. <laughs> yeah, that's there. right. You know, I mean, Tom's family, obviously, you know, right, I mean, it's yeah. not. So some next week on Graveyard Tales, the mystery of Tom, the lake guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. The 650 year old lake now, guy. He's a lake monster as well. <laughs> so about 75 million years ago, Flathead area was an inland sea, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Matt's got some info to talk about that. It had a wild, a wide variety of shark and aquatic reptile species that called it home, and after the Ice Age ended, Flathead Lake became the largest freshwater lake west of the Mississippi. And it's got a very irregular-shaped shoreline, dozens of small islands in it, 
And one of the largest islands in there is called Wild Horse Island, and it's actually a state park area. And these islands themselves cover over 5.5 square miles of the lake. So big lake to have all these uh, islands in it. A five-mile island. Is that, yeah. is that what you're saying? All of the islands together. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, all of the islands together cover. It's like, geez, is it put houses out there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I would yeah. get away from people. That's right. You know, living on my island in Flathead How Lake. How do we get to your house? Well, your GPS is going to tell you to get on a boat. Yeah, grab a sword, and you've got to fight Flessy, the flathead lake monster. That's right. And see, that would be perfect for me. You've got right. to fight a a cryptid creature to get to me. You know, I've made a pet out of the flathead lake. That would be great. Yeah. So what does the flathead lake monster look like? And they call him Flessy as a kind of a nickname because they're kind of capitalizing off of Nessie. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's Flessy. Flathead, yeah, they're, you know. they're Flessy and Jesse and Messy. Yeah. You know, the, he's the one that doesn't ever pick up his socks. And Bill. And Bill. <laughs> um, so what does Bill look like? So Bill is an enormous <laughs> eel-like creature, and he ranges anywhere from 8 to 20 feet long in descriptions and sometimes up to 40 feet. Now, there have most see several vertical humps above the water surface. A very smooth skin, which is gray to black in color, with large dark eyes. And it leaves a wake of up to 12 inches tall. And I don't know about you, but there's not a fish I know of that yeah, that, that can make a foot tall wake. Yeah, so, you know, a foot tall wake is telling you that not only is it big, it's fast. Yeah, you it, know? it's humming. Right. You know, with that description... There has been a lot of people that have blamed the sightings on a bunch of different things. And some of the things that they have blamed it on was hyperactive imaginations, obviously, pranks, natural phenomena such as wave action or shadows, lighting effects, logs, and a number of different animals, which include bears, horses, deer, elk, dogs, a dead monkey. A loose circus seal. Wait, did you say a dead monkey? I did say a dead monkey. I don't know why, but <laughs> somebody said that Flathead Lake Monster, oh, that's just a dead monkey. I, yeah, because monkeys are all over Montana. They are. I mean, it's it's a native species to and a, uh, and a Montana. Dead, and a dead one at that. Right. Because um, it wouldn't look like a live monkey. No. Once, a, like we've talked before, once an animal dies, it looks like something totally that it's right. not. So, you know, I mean, mo I bet you Nessie and Champ are also dead monkeys. <laughs> you know. It, but what kind of monkey? Is uh, it like a dead spider monkey? Capuchins. Or like <laughs> Straight up capuchins. Yeah. Why not? Well, mainly because I like saying capuchin. <laughs> That's a fun word. Um, but a loose circus seal and even an escaped buffalo. Now, here's my problem with that. An escaped buffalo. Where did it escape from? Exactly. Don't they just kind of wander around now, up there? That is a native species to Montana. Right. I have been to Yellowstone. You know, I watched a lady almost get uh, taken down by a, I guess, a buffalo that got loose because they're all trapped, you know. Yeah. But uh, monkey? Yeah. How about escape circus seal? Yeah. Escape. Where Something tells me that 
if I have a seal and and I'm going to put it in my circus, it's not going to be real hard to keep it. That mm-hmm. I mean, this is not an animal that's just going to be able to, you know, pick a lock and it's, get away. It's not an elephant that can break through things and go, right. you know, trudging through downtown. Right. And it, I mean, what, to still get on a bus, you know? Yeah, where was the circus <laughs> for it to end up in Flathead Lake? Right. There's not... <laughs> There's not a wide population around Flathead Lake. Yeah. So there wouldn't be a circus just pull up. We're going to pitch a circus tent over here by Flathead Lake in this national park where nobody's at and just hope people show up. Oh, crap. Right. My seal got loose. Right. And and y'all, listen, we're, we're not making these up. We didn't we didn't interject these for a little humor. No. It's funny because it's in there. Yeah. This is legitimately <laughs> what scientists and skeptics are saying. And like we've said before, you've got to come up with better stuff than that. You know, I'm sorry, but it's the most geez. bizarre thing we could say right here. Yeah. Uh, dead monkey. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a dog, a dead monkey, or an escaped, escaped seal. seal. Okay, sure. So on this note, we've got a little surprise for you guys. We have a roving reporter that we've got on the payroll now, and we Wait, sent what. Yeah, we talked about this. It's Randy. I thought you were I thought you were joking. No, 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 no. We we made that decision. We had the meeting and you you nodded. You may have been thinking about something <laughs> else, but you nodded. Oh, great. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Randy, our roving reporter, we sent out to check up on the Flathead Lake monster and see if he could find it and he actually sent me back what he found. So, let's go ahead and let's go over to Randy and hear what Randy found. Hey guys, it's Randy, a roving reporter. I'm here, I'm, I'm all the way out in the uh, mountains, right? You want me to go to the mountains to find the uh, Flatwoods Monster? Wait, what? MT is not mountains? Uh, hold on, I'll be right back. Okay, 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 okay. we're back. I'm here on uh, Montana, apparently that's what MT stands for. And I'm looking for the Flathead Monster out in Flathead Lakes, Montana. All right, so I'm going to be out here looking on today and see what I find. And, uh, oh, wait, wait a second. I think I see something out there. Oh, no, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a log, I think. If I look hard enough over in this direction, I think I see a... Uh, no, that's a dog's butt. Oh, but, 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 but wait a second, guys. Before before you go, I, I think I see something over here. It, it looks like a, an eel or a snake, maybe? Let me go take a look in the water and dive in and, and see if I can find something. Ho- hold on. Oh, oh, wait. I think that... Uh, nope, that was a snake. Ah, okay, guys. I'm going to give it on back to you. Uh, I think I got something in my system that I now need to go see a doctor for and a paramedic. So I will talk to you all later. Thanks a lot, guys. Take take care. Back back to you in the graveyard. Dang, man. I I hope he's all right. That sounded like it got bad. Uh, Did we pay this guy? To do this? Uh, yeah. We. I hope it wasn't a lot. Um, let's talk about that later. Let's talk about that <laughs> oh, later. Man. 
Um, but yeah, that was. I told uh, you this was a bad idea. Uh, yeah, you might be right, but. Uh, uh, anyway, that was uh, Randy, our roving reporter. Yeah. Um, I'll check back in with him and let's hope he has made it okay. I was wondering why I hadn't heard from him in a little while. Um, he sent that and then kind of went dark. Um, but yeah. All right. So we wanted to break in real quick and we know we talked about this show last time, but we wanted to talk about a thousand one heroes, legends, histories, and mysteries again, because we're friends and it's a really good show. And that's kind of what you do. You know, you help each other out in this business and you talk about it and you know, they over there at a thousand and one, they do a lot of research, a lot like we do, and they dive deep into subjects and you get a lot of information that you wouldn't normally have. And like I said last time, the quick and the dead is my favorite series because it goes into a lot of the history and the facts behind some of the Wild West heroes and stuff. And they've got a new series that just came out. It's going to be a three-part series, and it's called The Year of the UFOs. And part one, which just came out, is on the Braxton County Monster. And that may sound very familiar to you guys because we covered the Flatwoods Monster, and it's the same thing. You know, same monster. So if you liked our show, then you should really go over to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries and check that out. Get another perspective on the Braxton County Monster. Yeah, and if you like uh, our style, the the conversational, casual style, then I think you're really going to enjoy the host John Hagedorn style. You know, very casual, very informal but it really makes these stories and the history behind them come alive. Uh, some of his more recent episodes, like the the killing of Matahari, uh, the lost city of Z, Jack the Ripper, Amelia Earhart, and one of uh, one of the listeners' favorites, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, born to die. I mean, absolutely great. And like I said, he digs into this history to tell you some stories that. You may not know already, mm -hmm. even if you think you've heard everything about a topic, give a thousand and one heroes, legends and histories a shot, because I guarantee you, John is going to tell you something that you haven't heard before. You can find a thousand and one heroes, legends, histories and mysteries podcast on any of your favorite podcast forums, Stitcher, Overcast, Apple Podcasts. Google Play. You can even ask Alexa. Again, that is a thousand and one heroes, legends, histories, and mysteries. Go check them out, and we're going to leave a link in the description to their website so that you can go give them a listen. Now, Matt, let's get back to our show. All right. So there are 97 recorded accounts of sightings of the Flathead Lake Monster. The very first one dates all the way back to 1889. Captain James C. Kerr was uh, the captain of a small lake steamer, the USS Grant. One day he saw something in the distance, which he described as a whale-like creature approaching the ship. Uh, a passenger on the boat was actually so frightened that he shot at it with a rifle. Dad got uh, it. But it escaped. Good. Um so that was the beginning of what is the modern day legend. 
you know, the essential beginning of the Flathead, uh, Flathead Lake monster. Right. And there were a few, you know, some sightings between then and 1993. But in 1993, there were 13 reported sightings of the monster just in that year. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when you look back, there's an average of like one or two a year. Right. And then all of a sudden, bam. Right. 93 was, was the, his. The year of the Flathead Lake Monster. Yeah, that was his prime year, you know. We'll check the Chinese calendar, make sure that. It might be. <laughs> it might be the year of. Uh, this is the year of the Lake Monster. Yeah, the year of the Flessy. Um, so we've, we've got just four of some of the more major sightings because we'd be here forever if we named off all of them. So on May 24th, 1993, there were two monsters spotted gliding through the water together. One was noted to be much larger than the other, which led people to believe that it was actually a male and a female couple or a mother and her child. Now, on July 13th, 1993, off Woods Bay, there was actual footage of the beast captured. The report included information regarding a large dark shape, which was about 12 feet long, lurking just below the surface. Some indicated the Flathead Lake monster kind of had a sturgeon-like head and an eel body, which is an interesting description. Um, There was also a creature spotted on July 15, 1993, and this time there were two sightings only 25 minutes apart and 15 miles apart. The next spotting was July 17, 1993, and... Although these sightings have continued, they have slowed a lot. One of the most recent recorded sightings, which I don't have, um, sorry, was in 2005. But there's been kind of a lag in there. And one of the bigger sightings to Matt and I that kind of made an impression when we read it was a three-year-old boy fell into the lake. And when he was asked how he actually was able to get himself back out of the lake, he told his mom that the flathead monster lifted me up and out of the lake. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, flathead lake monster is not a monster. He's just a large, helpful creature. Yeah. That's helping out three-year-old boys who, you know, find themselves plopping into a lake. He's friendly. Right. So, um... Jim and Julia Manley uh, actually did an interview um, that was on, uh, it aired on Destination America. Um, Jim is uh, an attorney in Polson, which is a town right there uh, in the, in the Flathead Lake area in Montana. Um, So he's a reputable guy. I mean, he's not some, you know, goofball, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but Jim and Julia were out on the lake one afternoon um, doing a little fishing, just, you know, hanging out, relaxing. And they went to leave and their battery was dead. So they were kind of uh, dead in the water, so to speak. And they they called um, they called their daughter and, and her husband. Uh, they had a boat and they said, we need help. You know, can you come out here and and, and get us uh, get us back to shore? While they're waiting, they spy, they spy something in the water, and they describe the the humps coming up out of the water. They weren't sure what it is. They weren't necessarily afraid, but they were very interested as to what this could be. 
Like they couldn't quite see enough of it to really make a determination. But they knew it wasn't anything they were familiar with. I mean, they live in the area. They 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 would know, you know, oh well, that's this kind of fish, or that's that's a log, or that you know whatever they saw, they they couldn't they couldn't figure out what it was. And they said as their as their daughter and son in law pull up in the boat, they're waving and pointing at it. And they just, they thought they were waving, you know, so they're just waving back. Hey. Yeah. Hey, you know, <laughs> like, no, look over there. The, no, hey, how you doing? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're almost there. Yeah, we're coming. So, um, so they were the ones that saw it. But again, if you, if you find this interview, they seem very credible, you know, not that they're saying, hey, we, we you know, we saw the monster, but they knew the stories. And and they saw something that they couldn't explain, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, who knows what what they saw. But, you know, they're they sound pretty legit. Whatever they saw, they, they didn't know what it was. Right. And, you know, having known the stories, you know, they said, well, maybe we did. Maybe we did see whatever it was. Right. So and I have to interject real quick because you said the phrase hanging out, relaxing. OK. And this whole time you've been talking. <laughs> I have in my head been going out, hanging out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school when a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. Yeah. I got it. One. Okay, I won't do that. The, the Fresh Prince of Flathead Lake. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I pulled up to a lake about seven or eight, and I yelled, yo, ho, sm-. I don't yeah. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, on that note, uh, well, okay. So let's talk about what, what the Manleys and, and all these other folks could have possibly seen. Um, and these are theories that, um, maybe, you know, Adam and I have kind of put together, but they, you know, other people have, have theorized what it could be. Um, but we decided we'd take it a little bit further and, um, kind of interject some of our own opinions here. So the the first one is, is it an eel? I mean, the descriptions are very, very similar. Right. You know, to an eel. It's a, it's a long snake-like creature and, you know. With a sturgeon head. With a sturgeon head. You know, so maybe it, it it's an eel. So, um, you know, Flathead Lake is, is freshwater. And uh, there are freshwater eels. I mean, they're they're very common. In fact, there's an American eel, but uh, the American eels typically grow to about four feet in length on on average. So they could be a little bit bigger than four feet, but you know, there's really no documentation that anyone's ever caught a, an American eel that is. 20 to 40 feet long. Right. So maybe, maybe it's not an eel, but eels do get that big. Right. They do get that. I mean, if you look at like you were saying, marine eels, they get huge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, while searching about how big eels can really get in 2015, a fisherman, uh, caught the largest recorded conger eel off the coast of Britain that was 20 feet. Good grief. So I found a picture of said conger eel. Of course you did. And 
I mean, this thing is hanging off the side of, it looks like a boat, you know, or like a large fishing boat or, you know, and it's huge. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you look at it, it matches the description of what people say the flathead monster looks like. Now, right. I, I don't know enough about eels to know, do they swim in such a manner that you would see part of their body out of the water? I mean, do every every image I've ever seen of an eel, they 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 kind of slither, yeah, in the water, much like a snake, a side to side, side, to side undulation rather than an up and down undulation. Right. Yeah. So the up and down would be what would it would be necessary for you to see the humps mm-hmm. coming up out of the water. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I said, I don't know enough about eels to know if if there's an eel that does that. Um. But, you know, maybe it's an eel that's, you know, undulating on its side and it comes out of the water. Maybe. But, I mean, it, this is, you know, it's far-fetched. I mean, yeah. really. I mean, because we'd have to be talking about a saltwater eel in a freshwater lake right. in Montana. And I don't think there's any, I, again, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any reports of freshwater eel ever reaching right. that size anywhere. Yeah, if you if you look at, if you and if you look at the um uh like the the fishery information uh on Flathead Lake eels are not listed mm-hmm. and there's there's lots of things listed oh yeah but eels aren't one of them right so there may be eels in there but there there may not be common enough that you know that they're listed as mm-hmm. things you might catch when you go fishing on Flathead Lake yeah might be something introduced by somebody or something but not yeah. you know it, it's not going to be some guy had one in an aquarium and you know, it escaped from a zoo or a, a circus. I mean, you know, yeah, right, right. So I think it's it's really unlikely that there's a giant conger eel swimming around in a freshwater lake in Montana, especially one that's managed to survive 100 years. Mm-hmm. So so maybe maybe not an eel, but it's like I said, it's an idea. Um, But. Speaking of the fish that are that are common in the lake, could it be a big fish? Just a really big fish. I mean, we know catfish get pretty stinking big. Right. Uh, but one of the most common fish in Flathead Lake is a lake trout. Right. And and they get pretty big. Yeah, I mean, they do. On estimate, you know, a, a lake trout averages about three to eight pounds, but fishermen have caught trout weighing more than 20 pounds. So a 20-pound trout is, is a pretty good-sized fish. Right. And if seen from a distance or under the surface of the water, um, you know, at an angle, you know, things underwater can look a lot bigger than what they really are. Right. You know, based on light refraction. And if you've got sunlight across the water, you know, we, we, could, go, we could go on and on about, you know, what kind of illusion could occur that made a relatively normal sized fish look much, much larger if it's not coming out of the water. Right. And I saw a video today that said flathead lake monster and I clicked on it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to see this. And it's two people fishing off the back of their boat. One's wearing a GoPro and the chick snags something, bends the line down, you know, and she fights this thing for, it showed a lapse time, 27 minutes. Come to find out, it was just a big freaking lake trout. 
Yeah. I watched this stupid video of just her catching a ginormous lake trout. Now, I'm a fisherman, so that was impressive, but not what I was looking for. And right. I was a little yeah. mad that they labeled it Flathead Lake Monster. But they then in the description, which I should have read, said Flathead Lake Monster Trout. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You know. Uh, <laughs> Flathead Lake Monster Trout. Yeah, trout, really small letters, you know. Good eat. It was hidden. You were talking about big fish. Um, in 1950s, there was a sturgeon caught in Flathead Lake that was seven and a half foot, 181 pounds. Uh-huh. And they've actually got this thing mounted and taxidermied up on the wall of one of the resorts near Flathead Lake. Yeah. So can fish get that big in that lake? Yes, they yeah. can. 181 pounds, seven foot sturgeon, seven and a half foot sturgeon is huge. Yeah. And think about this. I mean, we've talked about where the lake is and the area around it is not very populated. So it's most likely not overfished. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and with the size of that lake, you know, the idea that there could be certain species of fish in there that just are never caught. Right. And, you know, there are species of fish that live a long, long time. Yep. And if left undisturbed with a pretty, you know, good feeding source, mm-hmm. they can get really big. I mean, you know, we've seen catfish that get... 100, 200 pounds. Yeah. The Wells catfish can get almost 300 or above. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, it's, it's enormous. I mean, you know, that's that a fish that big. I mean, that's that's bigger than an average size male. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you imagine dragging up a, a, a body out of the lake, you know, that's, you know, 180, 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you compare that to a catfish that could get 200 pounds plus. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That thing could eat me. Yeah. Whole. Yeah, sure. I'm never going noodling ever. No, just dude. I just need to get that out there. I'm not going to shove my arm into a hole underwater. I don't know what's in there. And even if it is a catfish in there, I'm not so sure that I want a catfish just latching onto my arm. And there's because- like one person a year that dies from noodling because you get in a hole and the big ones that you want to get to are underwater, so you've got to sink your head underwater. Yeah. These catfish are a lot stronger, and, you know, even though they might be a little bit smaller than you, one that's 60 pounds could hold you underwater and right. drown you. So once it gets a hold of you, if it doesn't want to come out of that hole and it locks itself in and it's got a bite down on your arm, right? you screwed, man. Right, right. right. I'm not going noodling yeah. either, man. Just remember this. I, I, these are words to live by from Matt. Public service announcement from That's the right. graveyard. When you are in the water, you are no longer at the top of the food chain. No. Especially in the ocean, but in some cases in the lake. Oh, yeah. So- <laughs> you are not a dominant species in the water. That's my mantra. Yeah. <laughs> That, well, that's the thing. Go in the lake. There's critters in there. Go, yeah. Watch out for them critters, man. Uh, go in the lake and where you can't touch bottom and grab a five-pound weight. Right. And hold on to that five-pound weight and try to swim. Mm-hmm. Try to keep your head above water. Yeah. You're going to have a, a hell of a time. Yeah. Then grab a 10-pound weight, and I doubt you can keep your head above water. Yeah. And if you've got a catfish or any large creature 
that is 25 to 50 pounds that is strong. These things are strong in the water. And know? a much better swimmer than yep. you. Like I said, I fish, and a couple-pound catfish can fight on the end of a line. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to win in that situation. No. So uh-uh. That's a tangent that I don't know how we got down. I know. We just... But we need to pull ourselves back down from noodling. Because catfish really aren't on the list, even though I'm I'm sure there's probably some in there. But but right. anyway. Rain it back in. This is the this is the whole idea though of could it just be a big fish? Um, you know, could could like weekend I mean, fishermen are probably gonna know. Mm-hmm. But like weekend lake goers, you know, they see something big, a big, big fish. From a distance, especially something like a sturgeon. I mean, sturgeon are very common to fishermen, but maybe not to somebody that just like goes to the lake maybe twice a year. You know, they they may have seen a picture of a sturgeon, but they hadn't seen one out in the lake. And now they see a really big one from a distance. And all of a sudden it's a monster. Right. What is that? Right. You know, so unlike the champ uh, stories. We don't have many of the flathead lake monster raising its head above water. Right. You know, where we talked about sturgeon on that episode, we said sturgeon's not going to swim with its head above water. There's yeah. no way it's, it can swim like that. This one, most of the sightings are under the water and see some of the back of it. So it's very possible that some of these could be sturgeon mm-hmm. because sturgeon do have a bumpy back. That's right. And they can get huge, as that report shows, you know, seven and a half mm-hmm. foot. Mm-hmm. They can get bigger than that if they're not caught. They're bottom dwellers, and they don't normally come up to the surface. Dallas is on the floor choking here. Yeah. Hey, it's a graveyard. We're all here. You right. know, he's a part of it. So. He is. So, <laughs> you know, it's very possible that a bottom dwelling fish that isn't seen much in the lake, if it's huge and it comes up and just its back is above water, the average person might think something crazy. Sure. You know, and like we said, most sightings are not out of the water. Right. So you're seeing something underneath the water. Right. And more likely in that case to be something that is misidentified. If it's coming out of the water and you're seeing something sticking out above the water, looking at you, then you're probably going to know that that's not this or that's not that. Right. And so the the last theory we're going to cover is everybody's favorite, the prehistoric creature. Yay! And you can't talk about a lake monster without somebody going, it's a prehistoric creature that's been left over. It got stuck in the lake, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. It's a plesiosaur, and that's whatever. We talked about this. We talked about this with Champ. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard pill for me to swallow, um, to imagine that, uh, you know, uh, uh, millions of years that some dinosaur fish has managed to survive in a lake and nobody's been able to capture it, see it, whatever. It it just, I don't buy it, but unless you, unless you go to my theory from the champ episode of right. the breeding yeah. female and the beehive. I'm going to start calling that my beehive theory. Yeah. But let's talk about why somebody might consider the validity of a prehistoric creature still being alive in this lake. 
So the, this idea, it, it comes from the fact that, as Adam mentioned when we, when we first opened up, that the, the lake's geological history being formed from a melting glacier at the end of the last ice age some 10,000 years ago, it makes it plausible that that lake would have been home to some creatures that fit the description of the flathead monster. Uh, but I, I still, I think it's, I think it's probably the most unlikely explanation for this one. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about the flathead lake monster specifically, um, the fact that there is very little evidence and most of the sightings are from it being underwater and not out of the water. Um, it, it just, it, it lends me to think it's, it's a natural creature that may be just oversized, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, I always think it's funny that, you know, we're not having any kind of attacks, right? You know, if, if I'm, if you're swimming in the lake, if you're fishing in the lake, because, you know, even Champ had had rammed into some boats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's really no documented evidence that anything like this has happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've got to think, you know, at, at some point, you know, a, a swimmer or a boat is going to look like a meal right. to a large enough prehistoric creature. And, and you would... You would have stories of, you know, hey, you know, something, something hit the boat. Something was following us. No, something Um, bumped me when I was swimming. But I mean, look, you know, if you watch river monsters, I mean, you know, they're, they're pulling stuff, you know, huge predatory fish out of these rivers that have attacked and killed people. Right. And these are regular fish that we know exist. Right. You know, this is not, he's not finding anything that is prehistoric he's mm-hmm. finding you know these giant fish that are powerful enough and dangerous enough that they could you know kill a human being mm-hmm. so without those kind of stories i, I don't i don't know that I, I think i think it's a a quote-unquote monster fish yes yeah you know you know but again like i said the stories are great and you know that lake is is so big and it's got so many deep spots you you just can't go that's what it is for sure right cuz you know we don't know and and it you know in a lake that size something something could be living there that nobody's managed to see or get a really good picture of or a fisherman's not caught one or or no one's been attacked by one because it lives towards the bottom you know there's a, there's a chance right you know and to me, the the reason we've talked about it before, I'm I'm a big fan of cryptids and cryptozoology, and one of the reasons that is is it's it's part yes, this could be an unknown species of you know creature that we don't know about, but if if you break it down, cryptid is you know a hidden creature, one that we've not discovered yet, one that we don't know anything about. So one of the things that holds appeal to me is, is this the evolution of a creature that we do know about? You know, what is this? Is this something, is it a whole brand new species that we've never seen 
And that would be amazing, too. Right. If we got out there and we found that there is an unknown species of fish that has never been documented before, and we find it. And that that's what has been the Flathead Lake Monster or Champ or Nessie or anything like that. That would be amazing. Or is it something that we know, but we didn't know it had this characteristic, or we didn't know that if left alone, it would get this large or something. That would also be amazing. It's the cryptozoology thing to me is that discovery, that finding out right. what it is and whether it be monster or not. I'm not in it for, oh, it's got to be a monster. Yeah. You know, I'm in it for what is this and let's find out what this really is. Right. Unidentified species. Sure. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, and that that is a that's a plausible explanation. Right. You know that there's something down there. We just don't know what it is yet. Right. You know. So let's get into our next one. Okay. Our next monster is called Smetty. He is the creature of Lake DeSmet in Wyoming. Right. So, um, and just like all good lake monsters, he's he's got a legend. So, uh, Adam, why don't you tell us the legend? All right. Show enough. Um, like Matt said, this is Lake DeSmet, and the lake was named after a Jesuit priest uh, that came to be a missionary to the Indians. His name was Father Pierre de Smet, and this was back in the early 1800s. Now, rumor has it that the Indians were so frightened by this body of water that they refused to camp along the Red Shale shores. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> I'm surprised I got she through that. She sells seashells by the, shale the Red shore. Shale shore. Yes. <laughs> Show enough. So, Shumshay that the Sioux Indians believed the waters had healing powers and the ability to prompt visions. There's a tribe legend that a young brave turned against the love of his life because he was overpowered by the charms of a water maiden rising from its depths. His intended wife-to-be was so distraught by his rejection, she subsequently drowned herself. Her father, the tribal chief seeking revenge, swiftly administered justice to the unfaithful young man, by tying him up to a rock facing the lake and forced him to die. And in the darkness of windy Wyoming nights, his spirit supposedly wanders around the shore, bemoaning the loss of his Indian maiden. So this sounds like a ghost story. It kind of does. Yeah. And it fits our, uh, our classic graveyard tale stories. Yeah. So this sounds like a really cool ghost story. Um, but it it's a lake monster story too because you know like Adam was saying the the Native Americans in that area did not go to the lake they didn't camp on the shore because they were afraid that there was something there that was going to get them right so don't get too close right um let's talk a little bit about Lake Desmet so. Uh, Lake Desmet is located about 10 miles north up Interstate 90 from Buffalo, Wyoming. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, the lake is an undrained basin formed from coal seam fires. So when these fires, when the when the coal would burn, the the coal would burn away and the sediment would collapse and it formed a basin. So originally the lake had a extremely high salinity making it suitable for only a small amount of aquatic life you Mm -hmm. know 
high salt content. Um, so there wasn't a lot that lived in there. But over a 35-year span of extremely heavy rainfall, right around the turn of the 20th century, and trenching and tunneling from the freshwater Piney Creek and then corporate damming of the lake substantially decreased the salt content and increased the lake size from its original 1,500 acres to about 3,600 acres today. So it's it's gradually turned from you know a very uh, very high salt content saltwater lake to a freshwater lake. Um, and and the the first uh, first real person to document all of this stuff and and there actually being a creature inside the lake was a man named Edward Gillette. Now, while researching his book uh, entitled Locating the Iron Trail, which was published in 1925, he describes a creature of about 30 to 40 feet long. Hey, that's kind of a standard, you know. Lake, Seems to Lake be, Lake Monster, yeah. 30, 40 feet long, yeah. you know. Um, described as as long as a telephone pole with a large bucket for a head. Now, he goes on to explain that the horses were really nervous around the edge of the lake, as was the natural wildlife, which if um, if you're into, you know, nature and wildlife, you, you kind of learn that when there's a predator that is in that area, the other animals, they tend to shy away from that. Mm-hmm. Area. You know, they, they learn quickly. You go there and you die. Mm-hmm. So we don't go there no more. So um, it's it's kind of like there, there was a local mall when I was in college in Memphis that, that we treated that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you just don't go there. Right. You know, that's uh, that's dangerous over there. When I first moved here, uh, it's now shut down, but there was a mall that was yeah. the same way. Yeah, I remember that. I would go out of my way to not go to that mall because you would die. Predators. Yeah, predators. That's right. So while interviewing and and talking about this with the local ranchers, um, they would tell stories of seeing this 30 to 40 foot long uh, creature in the lake. And it had physical characteristics, including a bony ridge along the back, with something that resembled a horse's head coming out of the water in a swimming motion. So maybe they saw a horse swimming. Could. Yeah, why not? That's what, you know, those horses can swim too, you know. Um, But over the years, uh, the ranchers began to open up and share more stories with Mr. Gillette. Um, They described a creature that looked much like an alligator um, with a more slender body. It had paddle-like feet and a spiny ridge back. One rancher explains that during a safari trip to Africa, he noticed that horses and other wildlife exhibited similar behavior that Gillette describes around the shoreline where crocodiles mm-hmm. were known to live. So now, you know, we're touching on this again. So the animals are nervous and they're staying away from the shore because there's a predator there. Right. Um you know, and and again, we're talking about alligators, crocodiles mm-hmm. in an area where there's really not any alligators or crocodiles. Right. And as you and I were talking, you know, people will say, well, it's a body of water. Why isn't there a crocodile? Well, 
the temperature up there. It gets too cold for too long. Right. Now, there are, you know, cases of alligator that will weather a freeze by sticking their nose up out of the water and the, the body of water will freeze over around them. Yeah. So you'll think they're all dead. But basically, they've just gone into a stasis to where they don't need to eat or move or anything, but they're still breathing. That's why their noses are up out of the water. If it were a crocodile, first of all, you would see that every winter when that lake froze over. Yeah. Secondly, it stays cold too long. Crocodiles can do it for a little while. Yeah, they can't hibernate like a bear. No, they can't go for months with freezing. So they could go a few days that way, but it's just too cold for a crocodile. Yeah. So... Probably not a crocodile, probably not an alligator, but don't write them off just yet. We're going to touch on this again. So uh, another rancher told Gillette that he witnessed a creature come out of the water and take down a white-tailed deer. And he describes the attack as the animal shredding the deer's hide, even throwing pieces of the deer back up onto the shore. Hmm. So... I mean, that's pretty violent. Mm-hmm. And and so you would think if this rancher was uh, was legit, which I'm thinking a rancher in 1925 really ain't got a whole lot of reason to lie about something like right. that. Um, whatever he saw was, must have been pretty big to mm-hmm. take down a deer. Sure. Fast. Um, you know, un- unless he just happened to like when alligators attack a deer, you know, they wait, you know, until it comes to the water. Right. Um, and then catch it off guard, but, but still, I mean that, you know, we, we know how big alligators and crocodiles can get and how strong they are. So right. if it's not that it's something that surely at least as big and as strong, right? Gators don't normally though, you know, they do shake their prey to get a piece off, but they don't really shred it. That's not their MO. Right. You they, know. they drag it into the water. Yeah. Drag it, drown it. And then when they go to take a bite, since they can't like. Yeah, they don't really chew. No, they'll like pull it up out of water, thrash their head and rip a leg off. Right. You know, but they're not shredding it because whatever comes off, the body will come off, fall back in the water, which they're going to take another bite of. Right. And then they swallow the piece that they've got. Yeah. So, so here we have this strange lake with, you know, strange reports, you know, in the early 1900s and you know, most of these reports are coming from from ranchers who are going to, you know, they're going to know. I mean, mm-hmm. th- they're definitely going to know what predators are in the area because they sure don't want something attacking their cattle. Right. So what the heck is it? Or or better yet, what could it be? Mm-hmm. So, like I said, we're going to come we're, we're coming back to this alligator crocodile thing. So th- this is un- unlike champ. Which is, you know dinosaur like mm-hmm. unlike uh the the flathead lake monster which is more snake eel like right this is much more alligator like mm-hmm. you know this is this is different than any any other monster we've talked about yet so one of the theories and probably one of the most common is a prehistoric creature again Yay. so here we are we we have gone Full circle, we're back to prehistoric animals. <laughs> but this this one, this one has a little bit more validity to as to why a uh, a prehistoric creature could live in this, you know, smaller lake. I mean, you know, if you're keeping score at home, Lake Champlain 
is the 13th largest lake in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, Flathead Lake, 29th. Lake Desmond, not on the list. Right. <laughs> it's just not that big. Right. Um, even 3,600 acres, you know, sounds pretty big, but in, in comparison, um, it's only like 120 you know, foot max depth. Yeah. It, there's, there's not a lot of places for a, a great big creature to live and hide. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I take this theory again with a grain of salt, but, but dig this. Um, Like I said, unlike Nessie and Champ that are often described as being a plesiosaur, Smeddy is more like a a mosasaur. And I I hope I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. I'm just pronouncing it as it's spelled. You got it. Did I? You know, I haven't seen seen Jurassic World and I hadn't hadn't seen the new one either. Yeah, I hadn't seen the new one, but. But if you have, or if you've at least watched the trailer, you have seen at least you know a rendering of a mess of, of a mesosaur. Mosasaur. That you mos- said it right. Mosasaur, mesosaur. You said it right. The you first say time. tomato. <laughs> I say mesosaur. <laughs> so, okay, mosasaur. Whatever. I'm gonna say it wrong again. I guarantee it. I, I won't say. I won't correct you the second time. I'll just. That's all right. The you know we got some listeners at will. Oh like, yeah, they, you said mesosaur seven times, and it's mosasaur. Yeah. Well, you said mosasaur, then mesosaur, <laughs> then mesiosaur. Then, <laughs> but I digress. Then Bill. Bill. That's right. I just call it Bill. Yeah, just call it Bill. So in that scene from Jurassic World, where it's like it looks like Sea World, and they're they're rolling that shark out on a zip line mm-hmm. and this huge thing with these jaws jumps up out of the water and clamps down on it. Mm-hmm. That's a mosasaur. Right. Okay. So, so that's the idea of what might be living in Lake Dismet. Yeah. That's I, a, that's a, that's a big thing. Yeah. Ginormous <laughs> thing for 120 foot. <laughs> and then in the, now, of course, you know, it's a movie. So it, it, it's a lot in the movie. It's a lot bigger than 30 to 40 feet, but, you know, could there be one that's 30 to 44, 30 to 40 feet? Sure. Why not? Sure. You know, it's a smaller one. Maybe it's a baby. You know, I don't know. Um, a mini Moza. But why, why, why would a prehistoric creature survive in a lake in the middle of Wyoming? In the, in the late crustacean, uh, crustacean. <laughs> Jeez. I, I've, I've done so well this whole episode and now. Are you hungry? I can't, I can't talk. Yeah, I need a Snickers. Yeah, you need a crustacean. Is what you need. <laughs> Crusty crustacean. <Yeah. laughs> In the late Cretaceous period, the uh, the area where where Wyoming is and all of the central United States and Canada was covered by water, and and this connected the Gulf of Mexico with the Arctic Ocean to the north. And Mm -hmm. it was called the Western Interior Seaway. So it essentially divided North America into two major land masses. Mm -hmm. And so the theory is, is that this, this seaway was home to many prehistoric aquatic creatures. Right. And not just a mosasaur, um, uh, the the Bacillosaurus and and the Megalodon, which you know was a prehistoric giant shark, right? Um, all were believed because of fossils that this is where they were. So 
If you ever wonder why they can find dinosaur bones in South Dakota, you know, especially ones from aquatic animals, mm-hmm. that's why. Right. Okay. So you think, man, you know, T-Rex out in, you know, the Badlands. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, that that area, it, you know, that that's where they lived. And they, you know, most likely, you know, they were close to a body of water. Right. And there's one there, you know. So. Could those waters have receded and trapped some of these animals, you know, in, in a lake formation? Yeah, sure. Possibly. Yeah. Could yeah, could they be trapped? Sure. I'm you know, I'm sure they were. Mm-hmm. But did they manage to survive a few million years? Yeah. Yeah. To to be around today. So I'm I'm gonna venture away from my uh poo-pooing of the prehistoric creature <laughs> uh for just a moment and and say think about it this way. Let's say that this did happen. And that the waters receded, and sure enough, some of these prehistoric aquatic creatures were were trapped, you know, and and cut off from the ocean. Mm-hmm. But it was slow. It didn't happen overnight, right? You know, it was it was a gradual thing, and and all during this time, all during these hundreds of years that it would have taken to to for that water to completely recede. And cut it off from the oceans. There's going to be a mixture. There's going to be a changeover from salt water to fresher water. You know, there's going to be there's going to be aquatic life that's going to come in from the ocean and then go back out. Mm -hmm. Things are going to change. And if there's anything we know that animals you know, humans included can adapt over periods of time, Mm -hmm. you know, not overnight, but over centuries, they can adapt to their environment. Sure. So you have a big animal and all of a sudden you shrink its habitat. It continues to live and thrive and breed. But what happens? Right. They get smaller. Right. You know, over time, they adapt to their environment by getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say, for example, over centuries, the, the, the waters recede and these animals continue to breed and flourish, but they adapt to their changing environment and get smaller. They adapt to the food source that's, that's changed, you know, new other evolved animals appear and they are either predatory to these animals or vice versa. And so this creature changes. And so it's no longer that enormous hundred foot, uh, Mosasaur that leaps out of the water and eats a great white off a zip line. Right. Now it's a much smaller animal. And, you know, the idea that alligators and crocodiles are a throwback to, to dinosaurs, mm-hmm. you know, it really makes you think, okay, 
So maybe there is some type of freshwater creature that has evolved over all these years that is absolutely supposed to be there, and we don't know what it is. Right. I don't think it's an alligator or a crocodile for what we know of today. Right. Just because as of what Adam said, they they are not they are not adapted to live in that environment. Mm-hmm. And they're they're not in an environment now where they're gonna be forced to adapt over a long period of time. Right. But something might have and and it it's there. Um and, and the reason I, I changed my thinking about this one as opposed to the Flathead Lake monsters because we have accounts of this thing attacking wildlife and wildlife being afraid of that lake. Right. So I'm, I'm buying into the fact that something's there and something's there that can come out of the water. Mm -hmm. Now it's a meaner, you know, a meaner animal than what flathead was. Uh, Yeah. Maybe, maybe not just, maybe not meaner, maybe just much more aggressive, more, as an animal would be if it was a predator. Right. You're you're seeing more true predatory behavior. Yeah. Cause if we if we're thinking that something like champ can survive on, you know, the fish that are there or the plant life, mm-hmm. um, you know, this one obviously can't. Right. You know, and even though it may eat fish, it obviously eats meat too. It needs a bigger meal. So that, you know, that makes you think less fish more reptile maybe yeah you know something that you know can survive in and out of the water even if it's for a brief period of time right you know so you know smeddy you know he's he's probably one of the lesser known you know as yeah. far as globally um but he's but he's pretty well known in that area and you know there's a lot of stories about about smeddy and um you know we we thought he was a good one to uh to put in here, you know, um, but you know, what do you guys think? You know, I'd love to hear some other theories as to what this thing could be. You know, we've, we've pitched hours out, you know, you, yeah. you heard Adam's last, you know, on the champ episode, you know, now you're hearing mine about what Smeddy could be. What do you guys think? You know, Lake monsters, like I said, they're fun. You know, they're fun to talk about. It's fun to have a nice little story when you're going to the lake, going, there's something living in that lake and you right. better watch out. So what do you think? You know, is, is it a reptile? Is it a fish? Uh, either one. You know, is there, is there anything there? Are these just stories made up to keep, you know, children away from the lake? Yeah. And that's <laughs> possible too. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's like the idea of Jaws, you know. Hey, this is, this is keeping people from going to the beach, dun-un. you know. Dun-un. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. it's a dun a shark yeah that's it that's yeah. what uh that's what one of my, one of my daughters used to say in the pool <laughs> let's be a dad be a dun a shark it's like what is a dun a shark you know dun a yeah. the dun-a. ones that as they swim <laughs> you hear them coming bonum, that's right bonum, they've got bonum. their own they've got their own soundtrack yes so i guess that uh uh, Adam, unless you've got something else, I think that uh, no. that pretty much wraps up this first episode of Lake Monster Month. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, I liked it. It's a lot of fun. It's fun reading these stories. Um, I'm looking forward to more. Yeah. So next week, we're going to cover a few more. Um, 
of these uh, these really great lake monsters. And so uh, you'll join us back then. Um, as always, make sure you you go and you find us on iTunes and leave us a rating. Uh, that makes it easier for people to find us, and it brings more people into the graveyard. Uh, go to our website, graveyardtalespodcast.com, and on our website, you can listen to the show. You can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. There's some more information about Adam and myself. There'll be information about our live event there, and you can also become a patron. And we really appreciate all you guys that have taken the time to uh, to support the show oh, yeah. and and put some hard earned money towards this because it keeps Adam and I right here putting out this show. Uh, go and follow us on on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram by searching Graveyard Tales. And uh, if you're so inclined, come and join the Graveyard Tales Facebook group. We we have a lot of fun in there, and mm-hmm. I you know I I don't post as much, but I I went against it and I posted a really funny picture in there yesterday. <laughs> And uh, I, I think, liked your costume. Yeah. <laughs> People asking if that was me. That was like, <laughs> man, you know what? If I had that costume, it would have been me. Right. So, um, but yeah, we, we do have a really good time in there. So so come and join us. You can interact with Adam and myself, uh, as well as uh, Amanda and Ashley, who help us produce the show. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. See you soon.